Welcome to Advancing the Mission. Uh, this is where we keep you informed and up to date on what's happening in local outreach, global missions, and church multiplication through the lens of County Line Church. My name is Chris Kazmarek, and I am the outreach pastor here. And my name is Mary Ellen Rail, and I am the pastor of Church Multiplication. Awesome. Yeah, we have with us today Rusty Akers. He is comes from Maricopa, Arizona. Rusty was actually my boss for a little while. He, I, I worked at, at Community of Hope is the name of his church. I worked there from, who this is, I didn't think about this ahead of time. I worked there in 2013, I think. I think 2013 to 2014, somewhere in there. When did you get married? Remember the year you That's got right. I got, so it was 2011. I came like the week after my wedding. So <laughs> I started there. So it would have been October, right around this time, October of 11. And I left October of 13. That's what it was. So um, but yeah, I'll let, we'll, we'll okay, kind of so get started. I'm excited to hear about Community of Hope. Uh, Chris knows the whole story, but I don't. <laughs> and tell us um, how you got started. Um, we're very interested in how churches get going. And mm -hmm. just tell us about that process and where you are now. Well, it, was, it wasn't a real smooth process. Mm -hmm. um, early on, this was around 2003, I was attending Mountain Park Church, which is a flagship church for the Church of God here in Arizona. And they were looking at, this is when we were doing campus plants. That was kind of a new idea. And my pastor, Robin Wood, came to me about being a campus pastor at a campus plant in the city of Maricopa, which at the time was a brand new city, only about 3,000 people here, very, very small, um, about 20, 25 miles south of Phoenix. So little, little rural place compared to Phoenix, but not far. But in the process of getting started in that, we moved here, bought a house here. Mountain, Robin ended up leaving Mountain Park uh, shortly after that. And so they pulled that off the table. And my wife and I spent probably six to nine months praying about what does that mean for us? We, I was not in full-time ministry at the time. I was working in a business job that I'd had for over 20 years. Um, I was 41 years old. And I had no idea what I was doing ministry-wise. So we spent a, a while praying about that. And it was interesting. I was on my way to work one day and I was praying. And, and I really sensed that God was calling me to go plant his church. And kind of my little tagline is we, we had no idea what we were doing. We had no money, no people, no building. Here we go. <laughs> um, so after we stepped out in faith in that, and it, it took some time, but um, People begin to come around us. Um, Pastor, you know, Robin came back into my life through Church Multiplication um, Association, which was a, an organization that him and Gary Kendall out of um, Indian Creek had started with some funding, with some coaching, with some help. And so September 18, 2005, Community of Hope Church was born in a little tiny grade school in the city of Maricopa. Um, so that was 15 years ago. We just celebrated 15 years. It's been, it's been a crazy ride. Uh, we were at the beginning of a huge housing explosion in 05, 06, which was quickly followed by a huge recession in 08, 09. Um, so we, it's been a, it's been a challenge. Um, my business background has been really good mm -hmm. for me. Uh, we actually purchased property in 08 with very little resources and, and money. Um, but again, we just kind of stepped into it, purchased some property. 
Um, in 2010, we brought a charter school onto that property, sold them part of it, began to worship in that charter school. And then four years ago, we sold them all of that property and bought a uh, property that had been owned by the Catholic Church for 50 years. We bought a Catholic mission. Um, so a building that had been around for now almost 55 years. And so we've been worshiping there for the last five years. So it's been interesting, like I told you earlier, we have the city's grown from just a few thousand to almost 60,000 today. A very transitional city, people in, people out, close to Phoenix. So affordable housing, yet there's a commute. So it's, it's a beautiful place. We raised both of our kids here. They're both gone now. Um, so we've lived here, played here, shopped here, worshipped here for, for 15 years. And we really love the city and we've grown up with the city. Um, I, I, I used to say we're kind of like, if you've ever watched Andy Griffin, we're kind of like Mayberry on steroids, uh, where, you know, if you've been here for a while, you know everybody. I mean, I, I have the chief of police, the mayor, the fire. I have everybody on my phone. I talk to them often. So it's kind of that kind of community where you know the mayor, you know the city council, you know. Um, so it's it's been fun and um, we love it. We love it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and he mentioned you mentioned your your kids, and they were both in my youth group when I was there, and so we love me and Stacy both mm -hmm. really really loved getting to know. Both, I mean, both your the kids. community sounds like Auburn. You you live it's in Fort a, Wayne, yeah, and our church is right between Fort Wayne and Auburn. And Auburn, it's a similar, yeah, it's very similar. I would say it's that. a very similar feel. Um, except, I mean, the the difference is that Phoenix feels so far from Maricopa. Um, not, it's not though. It's yeah. not. Twenty minutes. I can I can be to Phoenix International Airport in thirty five minutes. Yeah, exactly. so it's not that far. It just feels. It just it feels. Does. Yeah. It's a lot of desert in between there. So. <laughs> uh, but all right. So so one of the things that I remember and what I loved about about Community of Hope and just even just almost every week I felt like in your your sermons that you would give is always like focus on missions. Um, whether that's global, local. And so I want to talk a little bit about that. Let's start by just seeing, you know, what, what, are you, what kind of things are you guys doing globally uh, around the world? What is this community of hope involved in? Yeah, you know, our ministry was grown organically. It just kind of happened. We, to this day, I still don't have much of a plan, <laughs> believe it or not. And I was already connected with some folks that were traveling to uh, Rocky Point, Mexico, Puerto Penasco, which is about a three and a half hour drive. And we vacation there often. And so we were already doing a lot of things there. And so that has become a part of, of who we are. And over the last, say, about eight years, we've had two families from our church actually move to Rocky Point. Um, living in the city now, doing ministry there. One um, has actually started a church recently. Uh, so just kind of real organic things. And we still, pre-COVID, we're making trips to, to Mexico. And then I was connected to some, some really awesome people from East Africa in the early days of the church, like it was six. Um, again, friend of a friend, and somebody invited me to go to Uganda, and I said, okay, and went to Uganda on a trip, ended up um, meeting a, a pastor in Nairobi, who we just had really kindred hearts, and started forming a connection there. So we've been connected to people in Kenya for 10 years, and we're not doing anything in Nairobi 
in the city any longer. We were working with HIV, AIDS, poverty, water in the city. We've now moved to Northwestern Kenya in a place called West Pocote. Um, it's kind of off the grid. When I first went there, it was a very scary place, believe it or not, 10 years ago. It was like, I'm going to die here because this is, this is stuff you'd see in National Geographic. I mean, it was off the grid, barren. Um, but my friend Edward had gone there. They were, they were literally starving to death because of drought. Um, ended up bringing some water projects there, getting them water, and then building sustainability through education. Um, so a primary school, now a secondary school. Um, so we're in a church that's, that's just exploded. I was just there March of 2019. And just a quick side note here. I got to tell this quick story because this is so radical. One of the first times I went there, um, you know, water problems, people were dying, but they, these were these tribal people, the Pocotes. And so the first order of business was you can't attack your neighbors and kill them and steal their cows. That's not okay. Right? You've got to, violence is not good. Um, they're also, they were also polygamists. So many, many wives, one, one, you know, one man. So when I was there in March, um, there's a missionary from Nairobi living there, and I was there with a, a pastor friend of mine from Michigan. We asked him, what's kind of the, what are we going to talk about while we're here? And he said, well, we're going to address the topic of one man, one woman. And we were like, wait a minute. I mean, that is deep. I mean, that goes back millennia. We're going to talk about that? He goes, oh, yeah, we're going to talk about it. He said, they're ready. And so we spent two nights um, with a group of men, the warriors, about 40 of them, being translated twice. So we were being translated out of English into Swahili and then out of Swahili into Pokot, talking about the importance and the godliness. Because some of these people, some of these warriors had accepted Christ and they had many wives, talking about why one man, one woman. And phenomenal, 10 years. In 10 years, we had taken them from killing their neighbor and stealing their cows to having conversations about one man, one woman. Radical. Not only are they being their children being educated, they have health care, roads are in the community now, but the church is exploding and they're really diving into their faith. So cultural shift. I mean, what to be a part of that was just fascinating. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've told that story so many times, but I was just like, wow, what an opportunity to be a part of that conversation because those don't happen very often anymore, right? Um, so we're still still really involved in East Africa, um, still really involved in Mexico. Um, we sent a family to Colombia, did, did a stint about a year in Colombia. So, you know, we try to be as global as possible, even though we're a fairly small church. We love, you know, dances take your gospel to the world. So we do that as well. Well, I love that you're really relational in the places that you go. And we've talked about that here. We can't go everywhere, um, but we're done just sending money to a picture and a postcard. Like we want to, to be there and support the people, encourage them. We want to, we want to know them and be relational. So I, I love that kind of story. And it, it's so impactful when you think, our little church where we are can make this kind of cultural influence across the world for, for Christ. Um, but I'm sure you do things in your neighborhood too, because there's great um, impact that needs to be made there. And it's also an amazing experience for the people who are serving. So tell us about how you're serving right there where you live too. Well, you know, 
we've done, we've done everything. We, we started the first food bank in the city of Maricopa back in 2006. Uh, we transitioned out of that, handed it over to their, we let them go on their own. So core Maricopa food opportunity resources has, has been growing. They have their own building now here in the city. Um, they sustained, oh man, through COVID, you know, they were already doing maybe 200 to 300 families a week. And that grew almost to a thousand during COVID. Um, and so that's something we just support now. We don't manage, run, organize that, which is beautiful, right? We can just yeah. get food and go serve. Right. Um, so we've, we've handed that off to them. I mean, over the years, we've, we've done lots of different things, you know, um, we do Project Angel Tree every year. That's a mainstay for us. Um, mm -hmm. All of our children that we serve now are in the city of Maricopa. Um, but we're big on just just reaching our community, um, period. We, we, we've done an Easter egg hunt, although this year it was canceled. Ooh um, we've done 17 Easter egg hunts, and it grew from about 100 people to over 5,000 people. Mm -hmm. Our church is only 200. So when we get to Easter, it's like all hands on deck and we've taken over parks and, um, and then we do a, a living nativity, which we're going to do this year. We may do a drive-in nativity, but we're going to pull that off, which brings four or 500 people. We've been known for the church that does Easter egg hunt and living nativities and people will come to that. And that's their, that's their only connection to church. Um, we haven't, you would hope you would see, you know, exponential growth through those hasn't happened. It trickles, people trickle. Um, but we've got to know tons and tons of people. Mm -hmm. And then two and a half years ago, almost three years ago, uh, I like to eat. I'm a bit of a foodie. And I've gained 10 pounds since quarantine, so I've got to figure out how to do something with that. But um, the food truck scene was getting really hot in Phoenix, and, and I like to eat. And so I thought, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to see if I can get two or three food trucks to come to our church, and I'll just invite some friends. I could probably get a hundred friends, you know, to just come eat. And this was three years ago, January. So that's what I did. Well, I, I just put up a, a, a Facebook invite. A thousand people showed up. <laughs> it was mayhem. I mean, it was a park. People were like everywhere. Lines were. And so I was like, we're on to something. <laughs> and so we started Food Truck Friday. And during the cooler months, um, we, we bring in anywhere from seven to 11 trucks and we fill up our parking lot with people eating. We, sometimes we do live music. Um, you know, we set up tables and chairs. And then we, so this year, or not this year, last year, we transitioned our Easter egg hunt, you'll love this, into a Friday night. So it was Easter oh. egg hunt slash food truck Friday on Good Friday. And I took a little bit of flack for this, but, and I said, look, the people we want to come to our Easter egg hunt are people that don't celebrate Good Friday. Right. Mm -hmm. They didn't care. Right. I mean, it was the Friday before Easter and it was massively popular. It was, in fact, the church next door to us got mad because we took up all their parking for their Good Friday service. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm so sorry. But so we missed that this year, but we just, we just started them back last. In fact, there's one tomorrow night. I have my second one for the fall last tomorrow night. September, we had our first one. And so our city has had nothing, you know, no, no gatherings of any kind. And I was a little hesitant, but there were probably 500 people there. And I was really nervous, like, oh, I'm not sure we should be doing this. But, you know, we, we have our signs out. We wore masks. We sterilized tables. Mm -hmm. So we believe that just 
kind of the taste and see thing. Um, just kind of give us, just, you know, just be there. I mean, I've talked to people at those food truck events and they're like, who does this? And I'm like, well, it's Food Truck Friday. And they're like, I know, but, and I go, well, we're affiliated. I never use, I never tell them I'm the pastor of. I'm affiliated with Community Hope Church. I'm like, this is a church? I'm like, yeah, it's a church. They meet here on Sundays. Um, and one of the hugest, two, two great things have come from this. First of all, I eat for free once a month, more food than I can possibly digest, because I know a hundred food trucks now, and they never make me pay. And I'm like, what a win. And we make, so we ask 10% back from the trucks. So we make anywhere from around 600 to 1200 bucks every food truck Friday. And then we use that, we throw it in our missions pot and we give it away. And so I'm like, this is awesome. Let's just cancel church and do this. I mean, um, so that again, just kind of an organic, it just happened out of nowhere. Um, beautiful thing. So we, again, you know, I encourage our church get involved in the community. So we have school board members, we have people on city council, you know, just get involved in your community, PTA. My, my student pastor now, Chris Leone, coaches football for the high school. He uh, mentors at the middle school. He um, is involved in the Be Awesome Youth Coalition, which is a drug coalition in the city. Our children's director, I just got her a part-time job at Boys and Girls Club for after school. So any way we can stay plugged into what's happening organically in our community, we feel that's the best way to connect with people. Um, our vision, our mission is to connect people to the hope of Christ. And you can't do that unless you're connected to people. And um, so that's that's what we do. That's yeah. that's us in a nutshell, really. I love it. No, and you you mentioned Chris. I just I just as a side note, I wanted to say that. So I was for one, for one, I was the Chris that the other Chris. <laughs> that was the youth pastor. So sometimes I'll get these text messages from Rusty that are actually not meant for me. They're oh. <laughs> meant for his youth pastor. <laughs> but. One thing, and it's, I mean, it's like about once a month. <laughs> but one thing I did, did want to say too is when I came back the first year, I mean, I, my, my parents actually go to, go to Community of Hope where I, my parents live out in Phoenix. And so, so when I went back to Community of Hope and saw Chris the first time when he, he, when he was new, I don't know when that was, a couple, five years ago, something like that. And I saw the, the passion that he had for that, for youth ministry, the ways he was getting involved, the ways that that he just loved the community of Maricopa. That was, that was a total, like, for me, that was, that was me going, you know what? Like when I left community of hope, it was a hard decision. Um, we, we went to Uganda. That was straight from there to Uganda. It was a hard decision. We felt like God was telling us, you know, you can either both, both things are great options. And we struggled with that a little bit, but when I saw Chris and in that role and what he was doing, I thought like God is using him in amazing ways and doing things I could never do because I don't have the skills to teach football, like, and the things he's doing. And so just a kind of a side note, but I just wanted to say that I just think that he is doing amazing things for not only community hope, but for that city. Oh yeah. He, he loves the city. He's, he's, uh, you know, we share a very similar, you know, kind of DNA. Mm -hmm. We're much different people, much different people, um, personality-wise, ethnically-wise. We're just radically different, which is so awesome Yeah. because he connects with a total different segment of our community than I ever would, you know. I mean, I, I was involved in, I still am involved at the high school. 
um, doing things, but he just, I connect more to adults. He connects to students. You oh, just have okay. that, whatever it is. I saw him yesterday in town with his van, and he must have had eight kids, football players in his van. I think he'd take him to Circle K or something. I don't know. He's always <laughs> running kids. They all pile out of his van. So. I love it. Good stuff. Uh, well, last question here, and we've been asking a bunch of people this, and I've had on those accidental text conversations, <laughs> I've had this conversation a little bit with you, but just how has COVID affected Community of Hope? What, what kind of things have you guys learned through, through all this? How are you doing new things through, through all this? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I'm, I'm still wrestling with that, yeah. um, grappling with with what happens in 2021 mm -hmm. as we, you know, as we find a new rhythm, church has definitely taken on a different feel. We, we just returned to public services about five weeks ago. Mm -hmm. um, and it's been very, very minimum. In fact, uh, last week we had more kids and students than adults. <laughs> so it's been very strange. Uh, most of our senior population has remained at home. Um, we've got a good core group of people that have, you know, stayed connected. One of the things I'm concerned, deeply concerned about is young families. Um, you know, they're, they drift all the time. I mean, I don't think that's anything new. Young families are just drifters in general. They're trying to figure out life. And I know the quarantine, COVID, job things, marriage, kids, school online, all of this stuff has been a huge disruption to life. And I'm worried. I'm worried for young families over the next 12 to 18 months. Um, once COVID is, is under control, the virus, then we have to deal with everything that came from that. Yeah. And, you know, church has, you know, I don't know what your regular attenders are. Our regular attenders are at best twice a month, at best. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and many of those have kind of drifted away. So we've, we've been very intentional, especially during quarantine, to make con physical connections with people. We delivered things during quarantine. We're small enough that we could pull that off. Um, Mother's Day, Father's Day. We did Easter egg hunts this year in front yards. So we dropped yeah. off Easter eggs in front yards. Yeah. Fourth of July, we delivered a little bunt cake to all of our, all of our seniors, our people with no kids. Um, people just love that, that you would knock on their door during quarantine, I had some of my seniors who hadn't seen anybody in four weeks. You yeah. know, and I yeah. show up and they're like, come on in. And, you know, this was July when we were like, no, I'm not coming in, you know. And they were like, yes, please. And so um, we're getting ready to do something again in November. to, And we're going to deliver to about 100, 120 families. Um, specifically, just love notes. Like all of us mm -hmm. on the staff are going to write just that we love you. We're so grateful for you. Um, God loves you. Um, you know, we, we want to see you again. So a little invitation back into faith-based life. And then we're going to give them a card to, to pay it forward. So who can you say? So to give them something to do. Um, who can you give this to? And not necessarily mail it. Who, who can, whose door can you knock on and say, you know what, I've missed you. You know, we've drifted apart. I'm thankful for you. Whatever. Um, just as a tangible Thanksgiving, Christmas, because we don't know what the holidays are going to look like. You know, I mean, it's just bizarro. And um, I mean, you, we've all experienced one of the weirdest 
years of our lives. And I mean, you know, you, I'm sure you guys were like me during quarantine. I'm sitting in my house thinking, what in the world is happening? I mean, I was fearful, not for my life, but for like all of humanity. Like <laughs> the world took, 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 they turned it off. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, what I've seen in it all, you know, verse in Isaiah that's come back to me since Easter, where the prophet from God says, I'm doing a new thing. Can't you see it? Mm -hmm. And in the worst element, in the worst moments of their lives, God says, I'm doing a new thing. Now, it took a while, and that's where I'm at now. It took yeah. many hundreds of years for the new thing to happen. But maybe... I still believe we're on the process of something new. I'm a, I'm a big believer and, and teacher of redemption. Redemption always happens. Um, where it happens is interesting. It happens in the tomb, right? In the dark of night, in the belly of the whale. Um, I was talking to Pastor Craig yesterday, Chris, um, who yeah. was our state pastor, and he was on staff with us for a while. And, you know, we were talking about what's next. And he goes, you know, and Craig's probably late 60s. He said, I remember going through the 60s, the 1960s, when there was so much racial tension, the Vietnam War, and rioting, and protests. And, you know, spiritually, the early 70s, late 60s, late early 70s, the Jesus movement rose up, you know, out of that chaos and really shifted the culture of the modern day church, right? I mean, we really shifted in kind of the secrets and different things. Um, so, you know, I don't know what God's going to do. I'm just positive he's going to do something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as somebody who turns 58 in two months, I'm positive he's going to do something through Gen Zs, Gen Xs, millennials. Those are going to be the people that reset the church because that's the way it always happens. Mm -hmm. you know? And, you know, I don't, again, I don't know how he's going to do it, uh, but I know he's going to do it. So as a leader, um told my mom this morning leaders go first right so as leaders i think the church leaders we need to step forward even if we're wrong we're going to make an attempt mm -hmm. this is what we're going to try this is what we're going to do um you know let people know we still care about them we still love them regardless of what's going on and you know we're going to pray that um, the next generation of leaders finds their groove their place and takes over right because that's the way it happens it always happens yeah. um so COVID has been nasty i hated every moment of it I, I just want you to know i've had it's been a roller coaster from absolute hell yeah um but sometimes those things push us into new and better things even if we go kicking and screaming here <laughs> Um, I did a, I did a series, not a series, I did a week on lament in uh, mid-July because I didn't know what else to do. Mm -hmm. I was just in this place of lament in my own heart. And I was like, I just, so, uh, you know, I told our worship leader, I told Brandon I was going to do it. He looked at me like, you're going to do what? <laughs> um, but it was a real turning point for our church where I felt people needed just to, just let's just cry yeah. and lament and just scream and because we need to get going again we can't, we can't right. live in this soup any longer um, so i don't know what's going to happen i mean yeah. if i did i would write a book and make a lot of money <laughs> there you, go, right? you know we got to get through this political season we got to put COVID 19 to bed yeah. um yeah. 
you know, we got to keep praying for our communities and, and then just keep doing life. You know, I'm a, we, we have to keep doing life. We can't live in fear and, and of the what might be, regardless of what that is. So, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic. I don't know what to do next, honestly, except what I've been doing. I'm going to have a food truck event tomorrow night. I'm going to eat, wear my mask, and wash my hands. I don't know what else to do. Right? <laughs> uh, you know, I think that's, that's the way out of this thing. It's, yeah. Interestingly enough, you read the scriptures, um, moments of absolute horror, and there are a lot of them, are followed by a long time of recovery. Mm-hmm. A long time. As they kind of emerge from the ooze. Imagine how long it took to recover from the flood. So we'll make it. Um, yeah. We'll recover. We'll get out of it. And the church will survive. Might look a lot different in 20 years. Yeah. Which would be good, in my opinion. I think mm-hmm. so, too. I think so, yeah. too. So, yeah, I'm confident. Awesome. Well, Rusty, man, it's always good to talk with you, especially for an extended period of time. <laughs> and so, uh, again, thanks. So, thank you so much for jumping on for a little bit and giving us a little bit what's going on all, all the way over in Arizona. Yeah. So we appreciate it's cooling that. off here finally. Yeah. I, I know. I did notice that when you were talking about your food trucks, you said we did it when it starts cooling off a little bit in January. If we did food trucks in January, <laughs> there would be six inches of snow on the ground. It'd be about 10 degrees. Yeah. So I, I'm glad that you get to do that in January. <laughs> yeah, Our winters are here. We can go outside again. Which is I know. Great. I know. No, I've, my dad does air conditioning in Arizona, so we're, we're thankful for the heat sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but awesome. Well, thanks again. And yeah, uh, thank you so much for, for jumping on, and we'll see everybody next week. Bye. Bye.